Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, dorset buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of dorset buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye, and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 35th episode, Making Progress. When I first thought about this title, Making Progress, it was about giving a nod to indicate movement forward in some areas from the situation that we have been in. And then I realised that there's other areas that I'm talking about where perhaps my making progress is a bit more questionable. <laughs> I will leave you to work out which bits are which. <laughs> For this episode then, the weather, unseasonal. That just about sums it up. Creativity, I reflect on my confession of my NPs or my neglected projects from last time and I chat about my latest acquisitions and some projects I've got my eye on. Dorset Buttons and the wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. Here I've got a roundup of the first in-person events that I've been to. And finally, the Sky Focus. The local lowdown, I chat about the sky flag and for the interview we actually go across the bridge to Fort William and we catch up with Jam who is the owner of the Caledonian Wool Company. The weather. I think cold and dry pretty much sums up what's been happening here on Sky over the past month. Finally, some rain has arrived, although not a lot. (laughs) And at times we've had this odd atmosphere of bright skies, albeit full of cloud. And we've had a few days as well where the siha, the mist has come in over the, the water and across the top of the headland. Last time I was talking about moving from wearing my heavyweight waterproofs to my lighter weight walking trousers. I can say it's not been quite shorts weather yet. (laughs) It really has been unseasonal weather for even us. I like being out in the elements. I like feeling that coolness of the wind on my face. Although I have to admit for the first time in a long time, I'm finding myself craving just a little period of sustained warmth. The sun has turned up from time to time. It's not totally run away from us. It tends to be, though, either early in the morning or last thing at night when there's just a tiny little period of of warmth. What it has meant, though, is that we have had some lovely sunrises and sunsets, just not much warmth in between. And it was only yesterday morning that I realised that we're here in mid-June and I haven't actually sat out in the garden this spring stroke summer and when I say that well even when I think about it and then I say it out loud that just sounds crazy I have been in the garden I just haven't sat in it and I think when I compare to last year when the first lockdown began we were so fortunate to have brilliant weather lovely sunshine 
very dry but warm as well and I sat in the garden a lot both relaxing and also working and it's just not something that I've done this year at all and that feels like a little bit of a a step backwards. Later last year when restrictions kept changing as to how many people you could or could not see outdoors a lot of people were building fire pits in their gardens so that at least they could invite a friend round on a cold day. It wasn't something that we did although I'm now thinking (laughs) that those people who did do fire pits are probably appreciating them in the summer as well. Let's just keep our fingers crossed that uh, the weather changes sometime soon. I think one of the things the unseasonable cold weather has done, though, is contributed to a visitor that we are getting to our house, a visitor that I am not too fond of, a visitor that uh, has been looking for a little bit of warmth, who we would normally tend to see around October time when the temperatures become cooler outside and become a little bit more autumnal and they start heading into houses to get some warmth. And that is, of course, spiders. I know they're supposed to be a good thing in your house, getting rid of all the other bugs. I just don't like them. And my dislike of them and phobia, if you want to to call it that, has definitely got worse as I've got older. And I do know some of you listening in live in countries where you have some enormous and also deadly spiders. And I really am talking about small spiders here. And of course, not deadly ones. For me, it's not so much what they look like, although I have to say I like looking at them less and less. It's actually the speed at which they move that freaks me out. Now, if they move like snails... I would probably be far more tolerant of them. It's the fact that they move so quickly and dart and they're there one minute and suddenly they're gone. Over the years that we've lived in this house, I've actually seen very few spiders. Now, I realise that doesn't necessarily mean that we've got few spiders. (laughs) It's just the ones that I've actually seen. In the last month, though, I am seeing them on a regular basis. And it's that whole thing, you know, if I see one in a day, I'll see three in a day. And that's probably just because my senses are more heightened and I'm a bit more alert to every little dot that I see around the house. They are all of one type, though, and it is a type that I've not seen before. I did take a photo and I have convinced myself that... They are the false black widow. However, I could be overanalyzing it and I haven't shown it to anybody else and I haven't asked anybody else's opinion, which I know that I ought to do. For those of you who do not like spiders like me, I can assure you there are no photos in the show notes of spiders. I would not do that to anybody. I have to also add, though, that I never kill spiders. I will always take them out of the house and rehome them, (laughs) even though I know they'll probably find their way back in. Garrett bought me a spider catcher years ago, in fact, before we were even married. And I don't know if any of you have got one or seen one. It's a, it's a long pole and it has a little cage on the end and you, you operate it by a little ring pool at the top of the pole. Ideally, you catch the spider in the cage and you take it outside. 
most of the time it works, although there, there is a little gap between where the cage opens and closes. And as we know, spiders fit into gaps. So you have, do have to keep your eye on it and make sure that the spider, especially if it's a small one, doesn't uh, find its way out. And the other thing that's quite difficult is I've only got one spider catcher and I've got more than one room in the house. So the spider catcher might not be in the same room as the spider. So then there's that situation, that dilemma. Have I got time to run to where the catcher is and come back and hope that in that time the spider hasn't uh, done a disappearing act on me? It's quite a balance. <laughs> or it may be that it's the other side of the room and then I'm kind of edging myself around the room with my eye, eyeballing that spider, keeping sure that it does not go anywhere until I have managed to get back to it. On a cheery note, though, away from uh, those eight-legged creatures, it's that time of year when we really move through so much of the colour palette with all of the wonderful flora that keeps popping up around us. And I talked last time about the gorse and the primroses, and they've given way to another glorious yellow flower, and that is the beautiful flag iris. It's something I rarely see, although a whole patch of them has sprung up along one section of our road, which has really been lovely to see this year. Foxgloves are out now, one of my absolute favourites, and the thistles are starting to push through as well. We had a stunning display of bluebells this year, although they're now sadly past their best, and as they have been fading away, the strong, assertive, dominant bracken <laughs> has pushed through and that is now towering over them. Yeah, it's bracken time. I've said before, we have swathes and swathes of it over our headland. And then we have the delicate bog cotton, which is always a lovely sight. I love its movement as the weather determines whether it's gently swaying in the breeze or being buffeted by the gusts. That's always a lovely sight when you see a whole moorland of that. And there's one thing in the garden which is loving this unseasonal weather, and that is the weeds. We seem to have suddenly cultivated giant weeds. <laughs> I don't know where they've come from. They, they just see, yeah, they have jumped into the garden and just sprung up overnight. Huge. <laughs> a day or two in the garden is definitely needed to sort them out. And I've got my fingers crossed that the warmer weather will arrive soon and I will get that sit down in the garden. Send me a message and tell me about your weather. I'd love to hear what your weather's doing with you. Creativity. Before I tackle the thorny issue of all those neglected projects from last time, I thought I would mention a couple of projects that have recently caught my eye as if I needed more. <laughs> it's great to have a to-do list though, isn't it? A waiting list. First up then is the Runway T by Stella Ackroyd. And this is made in midwinter Lithuanian linen. And you may recall I bought a couple of skeins of this quite some time ago now. And I attempted to knit the Tegna top in it. Unfortunately, I just found it too difficult to work with on the lace section I was not enjoying it at all I always felt that I would enjoy knitting the linen more with a stocking stitch item and that's exactly what this one is it does have a small eyelet row between each stocking stitch section but nothing like the the lace section on Tegna I'm going to buy one more skein and I think then that will be good use of that yarn 
I'm a great lover of the Arnold Culliford Knitwear Company because they have a focus on exploring knitting techniques and they have a great series of books with projects to accompany each of the techniques. And they also have great online tutorials. They've got a YouTube channel which is worth looking at. Their latest book is called Confident Knitter and it launched back in February and the first pattern was released in March. There's 12 patterns in total, each by a different designer and the print books are due out in September or you could just get the ebook. You can still purchase it on their website and if you did, you would get the patterns that sent to you immediately that have already been released. The project release for June really caught my eye. It's a beautiful scarf. It's called the Patina Scarf, designed by Jeanette Sloan. It is knitted in chapeau wool gradient yarn in what is described by Arnold Culliford Knitwear Company as a clever slip stitch pattern. And it then has this beautiful embroidered flower detail on it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a lovely design. It's what I would call both delicate and striking. Lovely colours. I mean, possibly the colourway spoke to me as well because it's greens and pinks and blues, pebbly blues. Have a look though. It's really, really gorgeous. A knitted dress popped up in my Instagram feed this week and I love knitted dresses. Not that I have ever made one. Have you ever made one? If you have, I'd love to hear what what one you made and uh, what knitted patterns there are out there for dresses. I have found two. I think it's just the idea of it. It takes me back to being 13 years old again and having my first jumper dress from what was, you know, the latest fashion house at the time for for teenagers. And I just felt so cool and grown up. The one that caught my eye was by Justina of Let's Knits and it's called the Hanky Dress and it's got this lovely laced yoke. It is knitted in four ply though so it could take quite a while to do. (laughs) Seeing this dress reminded me of another knitted dress that got published last year. That is the Mrs Manson dress by Mandy of Olac Designs in Shetland. It's got an amazing fair isle detail across the the yoke area and also across the bottom hem area of the dress. I would love to do this. It's on my list, although I think it's going to be quite a big long-term project. I'm also feeling that my fair isle skills may not quite produce the finish I would like. I might need to practice a bit of the fair isle section first, I think, just to make sure I can get the tension right because it is so beautiful. I would want to make sure that I gave it all the attention it deserved. Lastly, staying with knitted clothes, have you seen the knitted skirt called Tower of Strength by Jimmy Knits? I've had my eye on this project for a while and I bought the pattern back in September last year. At Unravel, Becky of River Knits was wearing it and then Jimmy visited wearing it as well. That just nailed it. On paper, it looks amazing. And then seeing it for real, being worn, just made me want to pick up my needles and start it straight away. I have resisted so far, though, because of all those other projects, which I will come on to shortly. (laughs) It is very high up there on my list to do. I think it's one of those that once I've sorted out the yarn and I've worked out which measurements I'm going to do, I think it will actually knit up quite quickly. As you can tell then, I am not short of new projects to tackle. (laughs) 
how about you? Is your future knitting list getting longer like mine? Let me know. At least then I'll feel that uh, I'm in some good company. All right, then, now's the time for me to face up to those NPs, those neglected projects I identified last time. I have to say, afterwards, I did feel a little bit overwhelmed having sorted them all through and revealed all of them to you. It actually wasn't a good feeling. I was like, how have I let it get to this situation? I sincerely want to make some tangible progress on these then. Otherwise, I think I will just get to the stage where I will just frog them because they're going to just mentally weigh me down too much. To get things moving then, I came up with a little plan. I'm going to focus on tackling one at a time and report back to you. I'm not giving a time frame, but I'm going to give you the order in which I'm going to tackle them. I've picked out four garments to start off with. And these are the ones that I'm a significant way through. We have the ILA jacket, we have the Belmont cardigan, we have the Tegna jumper and we have the Weekender light sweater. And what I'm going to do is pick the order now here on this recording. I've gone with the good old fashioned way. I've got a little box here. I have some card. I cut out four pieces of card exactly the same size. I folded them in half. On the inside, I wrote down the name of each of those garments and then I've taped them up so they all look exactly the same. It's me just giving them a little good old shake about and here goes. I am now going to make the draw. The first one. <laughs> Let's see what we get. Haha, we have the Belmont cardigan. So that's the Gudrun Johnson one in uh, Shetland Heritage yarn, I think it is. And that's the lace one. I have got the shoulders to do. Okay, there's a challenge for me. Second one. Haha, the eyelay jackets. Yay! That's the sleeves, the lace and cable sleeves that need doing. Thirdly then is the Weekender light sweater, which means by process of elimination, number four is Tegna. <laughs> the ironic thing is, I think Tegna's probably the easiest one to finish. <laughs> oh dear, I think actually pretty much I've picked them out in order of difficulty. Belmont being the most difficult, then Isle, then Weekend Delight, and then Tegna. That's just so funny. There's a challenge for me. Next time then, I will let you know how I'm getting on with the Belmont cardigan. That is what I'm calling my Neglected Projects Baking Progress Plan. I really want to get back to this much reduced pile. I feel okay about having something like the Debbie Abrahams Mystery Blanket as a long-term project because that is little squares that you pick up, put down and at some point in time you will have this blanket. But I think with garments, it's so easy that your tension can change over time and yeah, not going to let this happen again with garments, really giving myself a severe talking to then. 
My hands have not been idle, though. I have dabbled in a couple of things over this past month. I've started dipping into my cross stitch a lot more, just a few stitches at a time, half an hour here and there, a couple of rows. So it's going to take me a while to finish the one that I'm doing. I can't quite believe that years ago I used to do really big ones and I had forgotten the hours and hours and hours of work that goes into a big piece of cross stitch. I started on the Blue Moon Wrap Knit Along with Die Gilpin and Tribe Yarns and this knit along has weekly Zoom calls which are really good fun and it's lovely to see everybody's colour combinations and the progress they're making and to hear about Dye's design inspiration and to get tips on intarsia technique and what we can do to personalise the, the wrap. I had a bit of a slow start on it though because I was unsure what needles to use, circulars or straights. I ended up buying myself some 40 centimetre straights and I have had a few false starts trying to get used to working with these. First of all, I tried anchoring the needle under my arm, but I just couldn't get the angle to, to work with the, the knitting. I then kind of had it at a 45, so that would have been like a 90 degree angle. I then had it at a sort of 45 degree angle into my hip. And that wasn't so bad. And it made me think about the Shetland knitting belt, you know, anchoring that needle. And I've never tried the Shetland knitting belt. So I think next time I go to Shetland, I'll definitely have a go with that because I've watched people using it and I can see how that works. So then what I did was I got a cushion and put that to my left side and then anchored the needle into that. That was probably the closest I got to feeling comfortable using it. Not practical though. I can't carry a cushion around with me everywhere I want to knit this particular project. And I still was just finding these really long needles very cumbersome. I wasn't getting the tension. The intarsia joins weren't great. And in the end, I realised that I just had to say this wasn't working for me. And I don't like giving up on something, which is how it felt. I know, though, that ever since I was introduced to circulars, I love circulars. That That is my comfort knitting zone, for want of a better word. I will use... Straight needles like short DPNs, circulars are the way for me. I've gone back to them and yeah, I've, I've just run with it. I went down a needle size, fabric's much better and my intarsia joins are better. Which is strange because I can see how with the big swathes of intarsia, the very bold abstract um, placements of them, that you know, on straight needles, those joins would have been held a lot better than they will going from an, a needle to the cord on the circulars. But I finally got going with this project and that's the main thing. And I'm really enjoying seeing how it's evolving and starting to think in my own mind about how I can personalise it. What little extra detail could I add along the way or maybe at the end? So I will post a couple of pictures up of that. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog Pad. I think the biggest news here has got to be Unravel. This was the first in-person show in a very long time and I was fortunate enough to be part of it and it was incredible. I felt I took a leap of faith applying for the in-person show rather than the virtual one that they were running alongside it and I'm so glad I did. It was truly special 
and an event that will stay with me for a very long time to come. They did a fantastic job of creating a yarn event while still working under the restrictions that we're living with at the moment. If you've not been to Farnham Maltings, it's a quirky building. There's one big grand hall and then there's lots of other rooms, all different sizes on various levels. I was in one of the upstairs rooms, the Tyndall room, and I shared it with Rachel of Skane Queen, Christina of Ruwak, Becky and Marcus of Rivenets, Selena Jane Art and Joe of Lilliput White. And we had the most amazing time in our room. I think there was just this real heady mix of apprehension, excitement, anticipation. And we all enjoyed each other's company very much over the three days, having more time to chat than we normally would at a show. The show really was everything we'd hoped for and so much more. And I'd like to put a great big thank you out there to everyone who came along Seeing people again was a real boost, such a tonic. Many of you who I've not seen for a very long time and it was also fantastic to meet lots of new people too and to chat to people about their experiences from this past year and also how they were finding the festival. It was very much a reduced vendor offering with, as I say, social distancing and other COVID-related measures in place but it didn't impact on the enjoyment or the atmosphere at all. And even chatting to the regular Unravel visitors who know the show under a different guise, they all seem to be really enjoying the show as it was presented at this time. I did get some sound bites at the end of the show, although, as you would expect, there is quite a lot of background noise and I've tried to eliminate as much as possible. Each one, though, is only a handful of minutes long, so I hope you'll stick with listening to those. First up, have a listen to Selena and myself having a catch-up. I think you'll be able to tell just what a great time we had and how high we were on the excitement of having been part of this special event. All right, you may remember me talking on the podcast before in the last year about art classes that I have been fortunate enough to do with Selena Jane. And here I am with Selena. We've been opposite each other for the whole of Unravel at this in-person show. <laughs> Hi there, Selena. Hi, Talia. It's been the best thing to have you opposite me and to be able to laugh and giggle and wave for the last three days. I've loved that so much. I know. It's just been, after meeting you here at Unravel last year for the first time, to then be vending in the same room the first show after lockdown and yeah it's just it's brilliant it's like kind of like a full circle yes yeah Yeah. and I love the story of how we met and Maggie coming in which is just just brilliant it's tell the story so so (laughs) you came up to my stall Tanya and you were talking you were talking about Dorset buttons so it's here here uh not February of last year yeah and you, you were talking about Dorset buttons and I kind of like thought you were from Dorset as in like you lived in Dorset. So we're talking away about Dorset buttons and that was already exciting. And then Maggie, a mutual friend, came across and she said, she said, oh yeah, and I said, how do you know Tanya? Because, you know, I know Maggie quite well. And she was like, well, from Sky. And I was like, but she lives in Dorset. <laughs> and then she's like, no. And I was like, TJ Frog, TJ Frog. No way, TJ Frog. And then I started jumping, I might have started jumping up and down. Like jumping up and down, and I was like, I drew you, I drew you. So I drew 
the maps, I illustrated the maps um, for Dwynwen, for Loch Ness Knitting, for the Highland Eye to Yarn. So, yeah. And on the map that I drew of Sky, I drew a dorset button. I'm pretty sure on that map I drew the compass as a dorset button as well. I think you did, yeah. I did. Yeah, so yeah. I was so excited because actually I knew all about your business because I had like stalked you <laughs> to find out about you. Um, and then it was it's just been amazing because I feel like we've become really, really good friends over the last year because we've been drawing together. I know. Um, and you know, my drawing classes have been amazing because it's been full of like crafters. Like full of knitters, full of yarny people. So you just spend, apart from what I did have someone who was an accountant, like, <laughs> I don't know what, and he was a guy as well. And he was just surrounded by these knitters all soon while we were all drawing, talking about knitting. But he was amazing because, you know, he was there and he turned up every week. Um, but yeah, it's good. And then to like come here, when I saw the map, I may have squealed a bit. <laughs> Because uh, it was like, I don't know, it felt like, I felt quite special. It's special to be here and it's been, I don't know, I felt quite, and it made me feel more comfortable and happier knowing that you were there. <laughs> Me was kind of work 
actually that became I didn't see my friends on Zoom because I was teaching I was zooming teaching <laughs> so much and the reality is that those Zoom calls those do Zoom art classes became they became my social life yes and I do you know what I feel really fortunate for that so you know, so many awful things have happened um, in the last year. The pandemic has been devastating, but there's also been good stuff that's come yes. out of it. And yes. this weekend has kind of like brought that yes. all together. It's been the most joyful of events. It really has. And, you know, we're very lucky to have you come all the way from Scarlet. <laughs> like, you know, I travelled an hour to get here. And there's a lot of local, local there makers. So, like, to have you come all the way from Sky with your yeah. beautiful bottles, <laughs> yeah, I must say, I'm very excited. I've, I've got some earrings. You're making some earrings for my I mom. Yeah. My mum is very excited. She may have messaged me about them this Ooh. morning. So, she's very excited about them. Um, yeah, it was beautiful to see. And so nice to meet you. <laughs> well, let's hope that we can... Um, do this again at another show and yeah. get to see a bit more of each other in person. Yeah, definitely. So. And I would just say to people, like, you know, it's felt really safe here. Yeah. And I would totally echo what you said. I think people have been really respectful of each other. There's been loads of space around mm. each of us. So it's felt really safe. And I really, I think, you know, hopefully it's the start of yes. more good stuff for all yes. of us. Moving forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Speak to you again soon. There you go, listen to that. We just sound so giddy. We really were high on those Unravel fumes after finally seeing each other in person, having spent so much time together on Zoom this past year. At the show, I didn't get much time to go out and really have a, a proper shop because my TJ Fogg staff was busy with his own work that weekend. So he only stepped in a couple of times briefly. I did manage a quick walk around. It was more really to say hello to other vendors. So my purchases were very modest indeed. And in fact, I only bought two things and they were from my neighbours in the room I was in. First up, I bought some beautiful green sea glass buttons from Lilliput White. Joe is the owner of Lilliput White and from the Isle of Wight, which is just off the south coast of England. And Joe was making her first appearance at a yarn festival. Alongside these beautiful sea glass buttons, Joe also had some lovely driftwood buttons and these really striking coiled rope bowls, which would be perfect as yarn bowls or for keeping all your little notions in or all those little bits and bobs that don't have a home elsewhere. I particularly had my eye on the yellow and green ones and I'm sure one day that I will make a purchase of one of those. I just need to decide where it will go and what I'm going to use it for. And I will put a link to Joe's folksy page in the show notes. My next purchase was from my other neighbour, Rivernits. And I've talked about Rivernits before on the podcast. This is a company owned by Becky and Marcus, and they produce some really wonderful hand-dyed yarns, some quite different combinations. I bought one of their rainbow mini skein sets from them in the colourway Shadow and there's a, a photo in the show notes. And this set has 12 mini skeins in four ply blue faced Leicester and they had this lovely asymmetrical triangular shawl knitted up in one of these mini skein colourways and I kept looking at it and thought, yep, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> the pattern is called All Together and it's designed by Nim Teasdale. 
and it incorporates lace cables and garter stripes. <laughs> so that's another project put away for another time. Let's hear a short soundbite from Becky then about the story of their rainbow mini skeins. Okay, I've got Becky here from Rivenitz and I've literally sort of cornered her at the end of the show as she's packing up and on Friday um, when I realised I was next door to Rivenets, I yeah just kept staring at all these beautiful yarns. I've had some before from Rivenets, and there was this gorgeous collection of mini skeins all braided up together hanging down and uh, I couldn't resist. That was my first purchase and it was from what's called the Rainbow Wall and I had what was called the Shadow Selection. So Becky's just going to tell us a little snippet about the uh, the rainbow wall. Yeah, so we have this uh, display that we bring to yarn shows and it's a rainbow. But So it goes through all the colours of the rainbow and um, sort of across the, as you travel horizontally across the wall. Um, but we also have dyed the rainbow in, in lots of different tones. So actually as you travel from top to bottom, you have these really dark tonal rainbows, like the shadow that Tanya bought. Um, and then, then you go through the really sort of bright ones and then it gets down to the pastel rainbows at the bottom. So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of colours. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, people really love it, which 
is great. <laughs> Fascinating. Thank you so much, Maggie, for oh, stepping out for me. Packing up and um, telling us about that. It's so interesting. And there's a picture in the show notes of me in front of the rainbow wall with my um, skate, well, collection that I bought. And I can't wait to knit it up and uh, show that off. So thank you so much. Thank you. I found this fascinating how Becky uses the rainbow wall as a reference for her dying as well. If you ever get the chance to go and see their studio, which is by the Grand Canal in Weedon Beck, Northamptonshire, I'd recommend that so you get to see this, this lovely rainbow wall. I'd certainly love to go there one day and really spend some quality time looking at all of their yarns. Of course, Unravel would not have happened without the team behind the show and I managed to have a very quick chat with Alison Decker-Thistlewood, the events coordinator, craft at Farnham Maltings. And some of you may also know Alison from Yarn in the City or Yarnporium or Champagne and Kiviet. We're stood outside for this chat, so you might just need to turn up the volume for this one. Alison, we are at the end of day three of Unravel that is first in-person show for a very long time and you've organised all of this. It's been fantastic. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm not going to lie, um, but uh, a little buzzy too. It's yeah. been really great energy this weekend. We've been really thrilled to welcome people back to the building. Um, it's been lovely to see so many people squishing yarn in person. The odd hug happening now and then, you know, now and again. Now that we're allowed to do that, um, but it's just uh, it's just been really lovely to welcome people back and and make sure that we can do yeah. so in a way that people still feel comfortable yes. and safe yes. and um, that you know their their space is being respected. So we've had fewer exhibitors and fewer people through the door, a lot more things spaced out. Yeah. But um, everybody seems really happy. It's been a nice experience for people to have more time to spend and uh, spend with and talk to a maker, learn more about their, their products, or their yarns, the provenance of the, the yarn, the sheep, or wherever something is coming from, uh, and hear those stories. And uh, I, had, I had one exhibitor say that um, they felt like they were just more engaged with their customers because it wasn't... You know, it wasn't the same kind of frenzy busyness. Exactly. And of course, we did a um, timed entry system, so we, you know, we still had a fair number of people through the door, but it was sort of limited and in kind of waves over the course of the day. And people were very um, happy to just sort of, you know, not be in that crush that you know. We are guilty that the travel, um, certainly last year, as you saw, um, was uh, our busiest year ever. So um, it was a bit last year and um, this year you know the pacing has been different but still I think keeping the same kind of buzz yes oh, I think it's been a fantastic buzz and I think as well people have actually enjoyed the one-way system it's kind of led them on a journey that they might not have otherwise have taken because usually people have their lists that they're going to go straight to that vendor or straight there but they've been taken on this journey through the building and I think people have really enjoyed that well that's nice I know certainly Unravel was the first show that I ever went to as a punter in the UK, and um, I remember when you know Rachel from here in the yes. city, my, my cohort and partner in crime, we, um, the first year we came to Unravel, we missed a whole room, we missed the cellar bar, because we were so, you know, gobsmacked walking around yes. and looking at everything and talking to everybody, and we, we were leaving, and we said, oh my god, we've missed a whole room. And we couldn't go because we had to rush back to London to pick up our kids from school. 
next year we made sure to start yes. there. <laughs> but with the one-way system, um, and that's something you know that's important as a as a show organizer. Yeah. We want to make sure that the exhibitors aren't missed. Yeah. And so having the one-way system makes sure that nobody nobody is missed. Everybody gets to you know yeah. see all parts of the building. Yeah. And there's no um, one room is not better than another room exactly. because we try to mix everybody up. So um, yeah. yeah. Not only did you do this whole in-person event, you did a virtual show at the same time, didn't you? You've done a hybrid. Yes, so, our first amazing. ever hybrid show. Um, I, I won't lie, there have been some teething pains and some technical hiccups. Um, it was very much, we don't know what we don't know when yeah. we're sort of starting it out, but we're learning a lot and hopefully we you know, take all that feedback on board and do better next time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Right. But um, I can tell you, sneaky peek, because we haven't really announced it publicly, but we are going to be introducing a new yarn show in Florida at the Maltings um, that we are calling a sweater weather celebration. So I think in the autumn, everybody starts to think about what their new projects are and the weather starts getting a little bit crispier, yes. kind of like how it's been this weekend yes. right? in May. but um you know we're really hoping that um that will get people you know their creative juices flowing and whatnot and brilliant that, uh, so there'll be an opportunity for us to all have a little uh you know knit and natter and and stitch and, and stitch and crochet and everything Excellent. Look forward to hearing more about it. Thank you so much, Alison. Thank you. Ooh, hot off the press there. Exciting news about a new show later in the year. The Sweater Weather Show. What a fab name, hey? I'm really looking forward to uh, finding out more about that. I hope all of you who came then had as much fun as we did. And for those of you who've yet to venture out to a show, I hope when the time comes, you will have a great experience too. Here in the UK, someone who worked with the changing circumstance of the pandemic is Sophie, who was also a vendor at Unravel, and I caught a few minutes with her. So listen to our chat here. I've got Sophie here with me, who is the organiser of the Yorkshire Yarn Festival and also the owner of Botanical Yarn. Brilliant. And we're here at Unravel, and it feels like a massive step forward coming to a a real person show. <laughs> but Sophie, stepping back to last year when the pandemic uh, happened and lockdown, tell us what you did because it's just fantastic to see what you've been doing. Yeah, so um, I first launched Yorkshire Yarn Fest last, no, two years ago, 2019 November, and it was a physical show in November, which was fantastic, in an old barn, which was flipping freezing. <laughs> um, and it was great. We had a second show scheduled for March 2020. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. So I took the show online. So decided to do a Instagram Live. Um, and I've never looked back. So every month, um, there's about 20 to 30 vendors um, 
on the Instagram live. So say it's a Saturday at the end of a month and people come on for 15 minutes, talk about their work, show what they do. And then people just enjoy, you know, they shop on their websites, they share and follow, but it's great fun. Yes. Yeah. And you always start off, don't you? The, the event yeah, with in your the introducing it and yeah. showing what uh, work you do as well. It's really good. And then I do a theme for each event. So yes. there's one next Saturday. So hopefully I'll get a sleep in between. <laughs> here, um, unravel and then going to back up to Yorkshire. So the theme for next Saturday is Wisteria. Okay. So yeah, so then each maker might make something inspired by the theme. A lot of um, yarn dyers make a colourway or a mini skin set, which is great fun. Yes. Um, But then customers can buy into that and it's something new and... Because sometimes you're like, well, what do I make? What do I, you know, as a maker, it's tough to get inspiration. Yes. But if there's a theme, it's helpful to... Definitely. Yeah, because like when I did it in January, it was snow. Yes. And uh, I think I, I did the earrings with the sort of um, creamy beads I remember, in. Yeah, and cream yarn. And yeah, no, it's, re- it's really good. And it's lovely seeing pop up in your feed every month that it's happening. And some people have been with you the whole time, the whole haven't time, they? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, um, customers coming to Unravel Show say, is that Sophie? And they're like, yes, <laughs> under my mask. And say, yeah. And they said, oh, thank you so much for doing your Yarn Fest. And, you know, said that it's kept them going. And I said, well, it's kept me going. Yes. You know, it's brilliant Because everything's so uncertain. You don't know whether things are happening. Yeah. So it's been great to have, you know, that next show always yes. ready. And how have you found Unravel? It's been brilliant. Yes. Really nice. Yeah. And very socially distanced and... Time ticketing worked brilliantly, and there was no one ever too close to you. Or yeah, but it was lovely to see people and talk about patterns or see what they were wearing and get inspired. Definitely. And when do you hope to take Yorkshire Island Festival to an in-person show? So I'm planning the 30th of October. Okay. Um. So that's very exciting. I've got a venue confirmed. Um. Just waiting to see. I've got some exhibitors confirmed. Um. Brilliant. Yeah, just waiting to see if the virus yes. we're all alright or safe to yes. do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well I will put a link to your page in the show notes and then people can keep their eye on uh, what you're up to. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You may recall that I took part in Yorkshire Yarn Festival back at the end of January and I'm going to be making a couple of more appearances this year. So keep an eye out for that. Since our chatter unravel, Sophie has announced a hybrid event on the 28th of August. Alongside the online Instagram event then that's already been announced, there will be an in-person event at the York Auction Mart. It's great to see such progress happening in this area. Personally, I'm not sure we will ever see yarn festivals the way we once knew them here in the UK, or indeed as many. Certainly back in 2019, there was at least one every month. And I'm interested to see how this evolves as we continue to progress with changes being made under the conditions that we have to operate in. Nine days away then with travelling, set up and the show. And we got back and I was straight into the first craft fair here over at uh, Plockton. And last year we had an exhibition there in November But it was lovely to be back at our own tables and see everyone again and be part of this community setup. The pop-up shops I mentioned last time in Portree have fallen through, although I have something else on the horizon, which I'll chat about next time. 
the book. <laughs> Thank you to those of you who've already been in touch with me this past month, giving me gentle nudges. I certainly underestimated the whole unravel, getting ready for it, doing unravel and then the subsequent work afterwards. I've also realised the book is a project I'm struggling to finalise in the way I work. I've decided I'm going to change how I work with it a little bit here and a little bit there. Doesn't work for me. A lot of people advise, you know, an hour a day. No, I'm somebody who needs to just focus fully on it. I have set aside in late July and early August camper van working days. I am going to decamp myself from the house to the camper van and literally just do it all day. Really have some very long, solid days. And I think this is going to get it done. We're in the middle of a big sort out at home, changing around lots of stuff, reorganising different areas. And so that's not helping either because it's quite messy, which leaves me messy in my head. <laughs> Despite all of this, please still send me some messages and nudge me along the way. On the creative front, I'm still at a stage where I'm doing some experimenting with some different designs and different products. It's a slow progress though and at times doesn't always get the attention that I would like to give it. I am changing my business focus slightly and my time allocation slightly and I will update you on this next month when I'll have a little bit more information to share. Onto the Sky Focus then. Did you know that Sky now has its own flag? This actually happened a while ago and I just haven't got round to mentioning it. Back in November 19, a competition was launched for a design and various guidelines were given, such as the number of colours that could be used and no writing. And eventually, after all the designs were submitted, there was a shortlist made to six and then the winner was decided by a public vote. And the winning design was by nine-year-old Callum Alistair Munro from Sky, and it combined Celtic and Viking heritage, and it included the Berlin wooden boats with oars representing parts of the islands, and there was also a feature and colour there around the first clans on Sky. I've put a link into the show notes to the tourism body here, Sky Connect, and you can see a little short video telling the story about the flag. And there's a lovely little interview with Callum and you'll see him when the flag was finally raised in Portree last summer. Across the bridge. On our way back from Unravel, we stopped in Fort William and I got to visit for the first time the Caledonian Wall Company, which is a bricks and mortar shop owned and run by Jam. Let's find out more about this company in our chat. Jam, welcome to the TJ Frog podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome to the Caledonian Wool Company. Yes, yes. Yeah, the first time I've seen it in person. So I've obviously followed you online since you uh, opened up. Well, in fact, you've moved since you first opened up. We'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, it's lovely to actually be here and see everything that you've done. So it's a long time since I've seen you. And um, we should say that we actually met on Sky some time ago, didn't we? Many years ago. Yeah. One of your classes I attended. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, here we are. Uh, 
in Fort William as well, I should uh, mention. Um, again, it's lovely to be here. It's not very often that I stop and come through the high street, I have to be honest. Usually we sort of just drive, drive through Fort William. You're uh, missing the best bit. I know. <laughs> Caledonian Wool Company then. Your journey with wool that ended up here today, this shop, tell us how it all started. And Yeah, so I started at art school. Instead of doing textiles, well, I did computer-based art. Decided that textiles was definitely the way to go at the end of my, <laughs> my university career. And I've done textiles since then. I, my first little wool business was on Sky in one of the huts in the Broadford market. Oh, okay. And I took apart jumpers from charity shops and re-knitted them into hats and accessories and things. And I was called Frog. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> How did I not know that? Because it was I, the art of taking something apart is frogging. Yes. So I called my company Frogged. How did I not know that? <laughs> I know that it was a long time ago. <laughs> I was there for one winter sitting in a coal shed in the market. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So that was my first little wool business. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I didn't know that. <laughs> I, even, I looked at my logo and stuff yesterday, there's a little frog print and everything. Oh, you'll have to show that to me later. <laughs> That's amazing. I love frog connections. Yes. So there, there's a wee frog between us. Yeah. And then um, when Bev took over the hand spinner, I basically turned up and would not leave until she taught me to spin. And I would sit there. <laughs> for one whole summer and they would just feed me cookies and I would just spin in the shop <laughs> and that's how I learned to spin wow. and then when I found that I could get a place in Fort William I was like yes quit my job and opened a wool shop brilliant yeah. brilliant and I think what you've done as well I've only had a very quick peek um, and I'm gonna explore a little bit more afterwards but you're very much focusing on British wools, aren't you? Local um, products that you can source from independent companies and independent suppliers. Yeah, so I only stock British wool. That is a rule of the shop. It has to be British reared, sheared and spun. Um, I've got local crafts. Half of the shop is Scottish wool. <laughs> Half of the shop is British wool. Um, so I do both sort of sides, but I really want to specialise on the Scottish. Yes. Um, with that you know where the wools come from and I can talk about it which is what people love. Yes, yeah. yeah. And you're talking about local um, products there. I did notice just as I was setting up just to the side of you the lovely pottery buttons. Tell us about those. They're my mummies. Yeah, <laughs> they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so my mum, she's a wonderful ceramicist. She makes pottery um, and she takes flowers out of her garden, presses them into the clay and then paints the relief so everyone's a unique flower button and she does them in all different colours and she does them the buttons are unique to me, she won't do buttons for anybody else ah. but she also does them in sort of coasters and other things yes, well. yeah, they're yeah. really lovely and they make every project just that bit more special yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I'm so proud of her <laughs> and tell us about your spinning then because that's also taken you on a journey with some of the products that you've put together now hasn't it? Yes, so at art school I loved photographing sunsets Okay. and sunrises, they're my two favourite things and when I learned to spin I was like ha huh, there's a way that I can make wool turn into a sunset 
and sort of worked it out with because you have to essentially paint it as yes. before you spin. Yes. So I paint it on this machine called a drum carder so that when I spin it, it the sunset comes up in order. Okay. It's really fun. <laughs> it's a little bit of maths working out how much of each colour goes into what bit. Yes. But it's also just the freedom to create and decide to put a cloud in a certain place. So I spin them so that as you knit them, it will just naturally knit up into the picture. That is amazing. It's, I do the hard work so you don't have to do <laughs> it. It's work for lazy people. <laughs> it's just incredible. And the colours as well, the, 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 the vibrancy. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I, I love... Um, the first one is you come in the door there, you've got those lovely um, turquoises and blues, and but I love it in the skein as well, so I'd, I'd want to have a skein and the knitted one up on the wall together. I can definitely arrange that. Because <laughs> I think that it just, A, it shows what you've just talked about, the hard work that you do to get that placement, but it, it then shows the translation into the, the knitted piece of work. Yeah, it's nice to see it, because I... Sometimes just, I buy wool because I like the wool. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> I think a lot of us are guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it, it looks beautiful in the, in the hank as well. Yeah. And have you got any more in the pipeline with that? Have oh. You... <laughs> <laughs> Is that another story? <laughs> that, that's, I've got a lot in the pipeline. So I do the felting kits as well. Uh-huh. And the plan is, so I've got 12 felting kits planned and I want to have a, landscape hank for each felting kit so that they've got the matching felting and wall hanging got you so lots okay <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah because once i've got it worked out and i've got it on my spreadsheet how much goes into each bit how you spin it up i can spin them to order right so i can have hundreds of them and i do custom ones as well so you can send me a photograph and i will spin up that photograph Oh wow! So I've done that for a few people and it's really good fun. Yeah, oh that's really special as well. Okay, so you very kindly sent me a kit to have a go at, didn't you? Yes, <laughs> I hear there's a story. <laughs> yes, I, I've not told um, Jam my story with needle felting, not that it's actually a big story. It's just that I know that listeners of the podcast who've listened before and will go, Tanya, needle felting? Well, when you said to me that you would like to send me a needle felted kit, I've only ever done needle felting twice before. The first time was a little tiny, um, I think it was a little brooch pin, and I think it was like a little 3D sheet. I just didn't get on with it at all. No. I, I just thought, this is just not for me. And then the second time I did it, I think I did a, a slightly bigger figure, um, again a sort of 3D one I was like no why, why did I do that again because I didn't like it the first time <laughs> so when you said I'll send you a needle felting kit I was like okay this is going to be interesting and it was do you know I honestly can say I enjoyed it and I've tried to think <laughs> what it was that was different and I think a it's because it was flat yeah whereas the one the two that I did before were trying to create this 3D no. shape yeah. and I've realised that I that is not for me 
And what I also liked was the delicacy of building up the colours with the landscape. And again, maybe that was, it spoke to me because it was the landscapes too. And yeah. that's, what, that's why I live where I live, because I love the landscapes. And so um, what I should say is that um, Jam sent me the kits and the kits vary in prices, don't they? Mm -hmm. Depending on what you have, whether you have all the materials, including the foam and the needles, or whether you just take the fibre and the, the, the frame. The frame. Yeah. And uh, also on a, um, it was a Friday evening, wasn't it? Each month you yeah. do a, a live YouTube for an hour where you talk through the process of building up and you mm -hmm. follow along online. And anyway, I have bought mine to show Jan. I haven't put it in the frame yet. Um, I'm excited to see this. <laughs> she's not seen it. <laughs> but as I say, I honestly have to say that I would do this again. And I am not just saying this for the podcast or for Jan. <laughs> I truly did think that doing a flat piece and building it up was far more enjoyable and exciting than doing a 3D piece. too many holes so there is a couple of tricks yes that. so you can give it a good smoosh okay the yeah. <laughs> or you can also steam it with a steam iron ah. so that will help sort of mush it together because i wasn't sure whether i should put like another thin layer over the top just to <clears throat> you can do it i quite like the sort of holy it's definitely in their look as well <laughs> so yeah so i think um I'm going to have the ceremonial framing. <gasps> I will have to do this and then put a photo up. But yes, I really did enjoy it. And as I say, I think it was just because you're working with such fine pieces and it's flat. Yeah. And the other thing I'd never used before. So again, you know, it, it was a lesson in don't dismiss a craft <laughs> because sometimes there are things that you just didn't know or didn't do. I've never used one of these nifty tool holders before. So as part of the kit, um, Jam sent me this lovely wooden holder that holds the lethal needle that you can <laughs> stab yourself with, um, inadvertently, of course, um, which How I know. How many times? Uh, hey? How many times? No, I didn't this time. Oh, Again, okay. you know, I think before when I'd worked on such tiny little things and 3D, and you're kind of holding it more in your hand. Mm -hmm. No, I, I just didn't didn't get it and didn't enjoy it. I liked the fact this was working on a flat piece. Yep. And, and your hands are far away from it. Yes. <laughs> and I and I liked the the texture of the the wooden handle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it felt much more. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. it. I just liked it as a tool. It feels like a paintbrush. Yeah. So it's more like a paintbrush than just a... <laughs> than a knife. <laughs> I felt more in control of yeah. it, I suppose. Um, yes. So so I thought, I'm not going to tell Jan that I, my, my previous um, visits to needle felting have not really won me over. But I, I was wanting to be um, challenged at doing something that I knew was different to what I had done before yeah. and I really loved it and it will go up on the wall at home Perfect. and I just think it's amazing and it's a quick 
two-hour thing. Yeah. It's a project. It's, it's one and done. Yeah. So I can highly recommend um, Jam's kits, A, because you get everything in it that you need. And the YouTube is really good fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> My nonsense for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was clever because, you know, if I had maybe tried to have done this on my own, I probably would have put bigger pieces. Yeah. Uh, definitely some of the fineness that you were mm -hmm. showing to, you know, almost cobweb little pieces. So and, little. Yeah, and the difference that they made, you know, they really did enhance or highlight the edge of the shore. So yeah, I am actually very chuffed with that. Oh, so <laughs> this is the best bit, is when people come and show me what they've done. <laughs> and I've actually got my eye on the, um, the, the, the sunset one. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. That was two months ago, I think. Yeah, the, oh, the colours. The blues and the oranges. It's just a thing, yeah. Yeah, and as I say, the, the kits that Jam has put together, they come in a lovely box, you get all the materials, and uh, yeah, I think they look really, really good. And it's something a little bit different as well, and it's also that lovely local connection, because you're you're actually, it's not just a sunset, is it? It's places that you've seen and yes. been to, and it's landscapes that are, mean something to you and are around the location. Yeah, yeah, it's just places that mean stuff to me or a friend because last month was my friend's birthday one right um, and Ashley Beach obviously I used to live there yeah beautiful on sky yes Jam talking about Ashake Beach, so I think I mentioned on the podcast before, I only found that beach during lockdown, well, <laughs> not during lockdown, but you know, kind of like last year when we were yeah. able to go out the house again. Um, I mean, I knew there was a beach at Ashake, but I just never knew how to get to it. Yeah, you've got to go down and avoid the cows. Avoid the cows, yeah. yes, yes. And sometimes they sat right in front of the gate and you sort of want to go, yeah. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> and you really need wellies as well because it yeah. it's quite sort of even when the tide's out, it's usually quite sort of a wet area to get to the sand. You've got, you've got to ford the stream as well normally. Yes. Which is always exciting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, As Ashake Beach is really beautiful. Tell us about the original shop because you've you've not long moved, <laughs> have you? <laughs> no. So I was in a tiny, tiny shop. That was how many meters square would you say? Four. Four. I yeah, think four about meters four meters square. Yeah. Absolutely squished in. If I had to build the kit, I had to move everything off of a table, build the kit, and then move everything back on. While customers were like around, and during the last opening of lockdown, I was allowed one other person in the shop at a time. <laughs> so I had to have a doorbell system to let people in and out, and then exactly opposite in the hallway opposite there's a very big space that became available and i shifted everything across sometimes with the wool still on the shelves <laughs> um, and now i have a massive shop with a little office in the back which is very fancy it's beautiful and it's upstairs isn't it so it is. you're you're not sort of walking directly out sort of you know you, you know your doorway's not out onto the the road but you've got uh, a bicycle down <laughs> on the pavement all covered in yarn <laughs> and a sort of lovely yarn um, trail and pictures that lead you up the stairwell to to where you are yeah it can be a little bit hard to find if you know where the bike is you'll find me and you do have to work a little bit to get up the stairs <laughs> um, i couldn't afford high street so this is sort of happy medium yeah where i can afford it and still accessible you just have to walk up the 
moment of stairs. But I also sell online as well. Yes, yes. And, and I will, if people can't get up the stairs, I will run down with balls of yarn multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, here. And then run back up again. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so the online shop, how's that thing going? Good, really good during lockdown. Um, the beginning of lockdown, I worked really hard to get that properly going because I'd only opened up three months before lockdown. <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, I've got almost everything online and I do online classes as well. I've been doing them throughout lockdown with the university and do one-to-one -one tuition online as well. Everything's on my website and it's been going really well. It's kept me going through lockdown, yes. which I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah. And you've, you've done a couple of um, knitting patterns as well, haven't you? I have. Yes. I forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered. <laughs> yeah, so I've got the Glen Nevis. Um, hat and mitts and soon to be cowl pattern which is based on Glen Nevis. It's a fair isle. It's not I would say it's not the hardest of fair isle, but it still is a fair isle pattern with a lovely I-cord cast off as Ooh, well. Nice. Which I love an I-cord cast. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I do it in the full kit so you could have a hat kit or a mitt kit or the both kit or just the pattern. And there will be more coming out. I'm gonna do a full range. Oh. <laughs> Did lockdown help you to kind of bring some of these ideas together then? Yes, because I still came into the shop. I'm lucky that I can walk into the shop. So right. I came into the shop as if it was a full-time job. Yes. And kept myself going that way. So I was sort of trying to move the business forward as much as possible, even when I couldn't have people in. Yes. And so that gave me the space to do patterns. Whereas I think this summer, I'm probably going to have no time. To no. <laughs> I think as well that... Uh, you know, as more and more people get to know you and where you are too, yeah. you're going to become a, a go-to destination, you know, so um, definitely. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, so many people visit the Highlands as well and it is yeah. about people knowing that you're here and you're literally just, you know, you're parallel to the main road that drives through Fort William, so it's really not far to pop in, is it? And there's a whiskey shop opposite. Oh! <laughs> just for useful knowledge. <laughs> Wool and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> and a pub below. Oh. <laughs> Take your knitting downstairs to, to the pub. I love all the um the way you've colour coordinated everything though. Yeah, I'm very particular with how I order things. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is in descending rainbows, um, as much as possible. And I try and keep it very pleasing on the eye. Yeah, the colour really strikes you as you come in, all yeah. the different uh, arrangements that you've got. And tell us about all your tops over there, all your wool yeah. tops. Yes, so the tops, that's my basically my palette, my raw material. So that's what I use to do the sunsets with. Right. But the, So the left-hand side is all Shetland. And then we've got Blueface Leicester, Cheviot, Texel, Jacobs, all different. So you can try spinning different sheep because they all have different characteristics. So the blue face left is really fine, lovely to work with. The Shetland is, the Shetland's my favourite, because it is hard wearing and still soft and just so bouncy. Yes. And so it's, my landscapes are spun mostly in Shetland, because I just love working with it. And yes. Scottish. Yes. Talking about Shetland, I've just realised that was probably when I last saw you, was at Shetland Wool Week in, 2019 it was that was madness yeah that was an amazing week 
So that was just about a month, I think, before I opened the shop. Right, okay. So I just was getting my name together, getting everything set up, getting sort of panicking slightly before, <laughs> before I suddenly opened. Were you doing a little recce in the Shetland walls? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh my god, it was amazing. I got to all of them and it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, because I knew I was going to be stocking them, I could like get to meet some of the lovely people that work there as well. Yeah. And it was just amazing. Oh, was that your first time you'd been? It was. Yeah. And I want to go again and again. Oh, yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get back to Shetland one day. You mentioned then about your, your name. So we, we heard about your original name in Broadford <laughs> Market Square, which I still can't get over. Uh, different name, very different name this time though. The Caledonian Wool Co. or company. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. So I wanted a name that was about wool, but also a little bit about me. So the Caledonian Wool Company is inspired because up to here, this area is Caledonia and we've got the Caledonian Railway coming up here and my great-great-grandfather used to be the print setter for all of the beautiful vintage railway posters. Oh wow! So I grew up with all those vintage railway posters everywhere ah. and like the Caledonian line and things like that. Yes. So that's why my logo, the font is the original font from the railway posters okay. and I, you'll see the little the railway signage sort of on a few things around the shop yes yeah and Caledonia is the Roman name for this area I believe yes yes yeah I have to be honest that uh, my husband told me that <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned something new so, yeah. uh, yes and Caledonian as well I did look this up is a geographical term for items and places in Scotland. So yeah, it, all, all those connections again, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? And I hadn't picked up about the railway, but now that you've said it, it's, it's obvious, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, so what of the future then? You've told us some of your future plans with pattern designs and your kits and your wall hangings. Is there anything else you can give us an insight to? Or? Um, oh, I'll hopefully have classes again in the shop. Okay. So I love teaching classes. Yes. So I teach knitting, crocheting, spinning and all that in the, in the shop. Yes. And have my group of evening knitting back as well. Um, but other than that, just I want to have a good summer. Yes. That's my plan. Yes. <laughs> as in people visiting. <laughs> yeah. I want to have my first summer. That's, yeah. That's the plan. And see real people visit your shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the very best. I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to come and visit. And I'm sure I will be back again. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming and thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, not at all, Jam. It's really good to have you. Thank you. I still can't quite believe that Jam originally had a wool company here on Sky called Frog. <laughs> Small world, hey, and we're always learning, always finding out new information. Full disclosure, Jam sent me the felting kit beforehand as a gift. I did offer to pay for it, but she wanted to send it to me as a gift. And I have to say, I'm very grateful that she did, as I would never have challenged myself to do this. It was far more enjoyable than my previous attempts at needle felting. And I think a lot of that was, as I mentioned in the interview, it was big pieces, it was flat, it was colour block building, rather than tiny dots of detail that you have to sort of felt in hard. I did buy the other kit afterwards that we spoke about, so that, that's added to my kit pile to do at some point. And I also bought some of Jam's mum's pottery buttons, and there's a picture of those in the show notes. 
I wish I had got myself one of those kits that knits up the scene for you. <laughs> That's something for my next visit. Again, there's a picture in the show notes for you. Please, if you're ever travelling to the Highlands and you've got time, do get off the road and pop into the high street. I certainly will be uh, making sure I allow myself more time in the future to do that. I know lots of you mention about my laugh and it's always weird listening back to myself when I have to do all the editing for this podcast. I'm always surprised though how much I do laugh in interviews and even just laugh to myself as I'm recording because I don't ever think of myself as a, a laughy sort of person. So it's interesting, isn't it, how we perceive ourselves and what we perhaps do that we don't even realise. Anyway, that's just the thought. That's another episode come to an end. I will bid you farewell until next time. I hope you're all keeping well. Take care of yourselves. In the meantime, you can find the show notes on the website at tjfrog.co.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch, either drop me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk or via the contact page on the website or on Facebook and Instagram as tjfrogsky, Twitter as tjfrogmakes and Ravelry as tjfrog. The music's by Ron Payton and licensed from Melody Loops and called One Frog for a Prince. Bye for now. See you next time. <laughs>